0: Cessairon in the Far East, which fell to the Japanese and British arms on November 7th. In the distance, the smoke of her burning is seen going up to heaven. The blockade of Tia Singtau began on August 27th. The Japanese troops landed in Laoshan Bay on September 18th. The small British force on the 24th. On the 28th, they carried the high ground to one two miles from the main German position, and fire was opened on the fortress during the first week in October. The general bombardment began on October 31st and lasted till the night of November 6th, when the Japanese stormed the central fort. We illustrate on another page one of the Japanese heavy siege guns used at Tiasingtau. Photo. By record press. The Illustrated War News. December 30, 1914 Part 2119 We see here one of the heavy siege guns which the Japanese brought up for the bombardment of Tiasingtau when about to open fire on the German fortress. The gun team of artillerymen are standing in rear of the piece, and in the foreground, to the right, is one of the detachment receiving orders by telephone from the battery commandant at his post of observation, profiting by their experiences in siege warfare at Port Arthur. The Japanese were fully prepared with a very large and efficient siege gun train to undertake the attack on Diasinklau. Immediately war was declared, the Japanese employed 140 guns in the bombardment, including 28 cm howitzers and 21 and 15 cm siege guns, firing respectively, 11.2 inch, 8.4 inch, and 6 inch shells, photo, by record press, 20 The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914, Part 21 One of the features of the present war which have been drawn attention to by eyewitness, in his letters from the front, is the resuscitate of fighting with hand grenades on both sides, particularly has this been the case during the battles in northern France and Flanders, wherever the trenches approached one another within flinging distance, there also, on occasion, where the troops facing one another were further apart, and beyond reach of a throw by hand, an improvised catapult of the classic type has been devised by our men for slinging hand bombs, utilizing a metal spring bent back and held fast in a notch, to be released on the lighting of the fuse. An illustration of a catapult appeared in the Illustrated War News, of December 23rd. The Illustrated War News, December 30th, 1914 Part 2121 On the page opposite we give a photograph of a Danish experimental gun, designed at Copenhagen, for firing oars and hand grenades. The grenades are shown in the act of being introduced into the breach of the weapons, and the apparatus for holding each grenade in the hand is clearly shown. In the photograph above the shells are seen bursting at a certain distance from the firing point. Our soldiers in the trenches in Flanders, according to eyewitness, have made improvised hand grenades for themselves, utilizing empty jam tins. These are charged with gun cotton and fused, and on being lighted are flung across among the Germans in their trenches. What the jam tin hand grenades look like the war News illustration referred to shows, and how they are used with catapults. 20 to the illustrated war News. December 30, 1914. Part 21 It was stated on December 23 that the Frankfurt had learned from Constantinople that the Turkish army sent to deliver Egypt began its forward march to the Suez Canal on the 21st. The canal is securely held along its hundred miles of length. Our illustration shows one of the several British advanced camps on the eastern bank the Asiatic or Sinaitic Peninsula side placed there to prevent a surprise attack. In all cases, our positions are well fortified, and, with the desert in front, present a formidable barrier to the enemy. In support of the entrenched camps, movable pontoon bridges have been constructed at certain points. These, with the permanent railway along the western bank, will enable reinforcements to be thrown across the waterway speedily. Be Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914 Part 2123 illustration the most popular French heroine of 70, J.U.L.I.D.D.O.D.U. who died the other day pardoned for her great bravery. There has just died upon her a little farm at Clarence, Switzerland. Mademoiselle Juliette d'Odoe of Githivires, 44 years ago a telegraphist who outwitted the German invaders, was taken prisoner, threatened with death, treated chivalrously by the Red Prince, Friedrich Karl, released on the proclamation of peace, decorated with the cross of the Legion of Honor and retired to the little farm, where she ended her days. The spirit of this romance of the Franco-German War of 1870-71 lives in the picture by E.J. Delahaye. Chivalry was not then dead, and the Red Prince, father of our popular Duchess of Connaught. Although Juliette Dodo had hindered the German advance on Paris, shook her by the hand and said that it was an honor to meet so brave a woman. 24 The Illustrated War News. December 30, 1914. Part 21 Illustration, The Austrian Debacle, A Disastrous March Under Continual Shell Fire from in Artillery. S.C. From the Painting by Frederick de Hainin. S.C. Left half the retreat of the Austrians after the recent great victory gained over them by the Serbians has been described as one of the most disastrous in history. It was stated in officially in a report from Budapest that the southern Austro-Hungarian army had lost over 60.000 men killed and wounded during the rearguard actions and the flight, and about 35.000 prisoners, together with a large amount of guns and war material. Of the actual retreat it was said that the Austrian troops were on the march continually for a whole week, while the Serbian the Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914 Part 2125 Illustration, The Austrian Debacle, A Disastrous March Under Continual Shell Fire From C.R.B.I.A. In Artillery. SC from the painting by Frederick de Hainan, SC right half artillery in pursuit shelled them without cessation. Many of the Austrian soldiers, it is said, dropped by the way from fatigue and weakness, as they had had neither food nor rest. And several of the officers did the same. It was impossible for some parts of the army to make a stand as their artillery had been obliged to remain behind owing to the exhaustion of the horses. Only those of the Austrian regiments which had their supply wagons with them were able to reach the Bosnian frontier. 26 The Illustrated War News December 30, 1914 Part 21 Illustration A German possession added to the British Empire by the Australian forces, the occupation of an EU POMM New Britain. The Admiralty announced on September 13th that the Australian squadron had occupied, on the 11th, the town of Herbert Shughy, in the island of Newcomer Lake New Britain, which is an island in the Bismarck archipelago, this island lies due east from German New Guinea, at Rabaul, New Britain. On the 14th, a British proclamation was read, with a special one in Pigeon, English for the natives. The German acting governor, Dr. Haber, surrendered on the 21st, our photographs show, one German troops marching into Herbert Schuhi to surrender, to a German building at Friedrich Wilhelmshaven, now Garrison headquarters, three the Australian Naval Brigade marching through Rabaul, and four Dr. Haber, followed by the German commander, riding into Herbert Schuhi to surrender. The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914 Part 2127 Illustration, The Neutrality of the Scandinavian Powers, the Kings of Norway. Sweden, and Denmark, who met in conference at Malmo. The three northern monarchs whose portraits are given above are, 1 King Haakon of Norway, 2 King Gustaf of Sweden, 3 King Christian of Denmark. King Gustaf was the convener of the meeting, the object of which was to arrive at an understanding by means of which the Scandinavian countries might be able to draw closer together in view of the interests common to them all as neutrals. The motive was to maintain the neutrality and independence of the three peoples and at the same time to mitigate as far as possible the serious inconveniences which all the three northern states have suffered in regard to the supplies of the necessaries of life and in their general economic condition in consequence of the existence of a state of war in Europe. Photos, by Russell, Florman, and Bieber. 28 The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914, Part 21 In more ways than one, the German soldier would seem on occasion to represent, as it were, are reverting to primitive type, to the barbaric European of centuries back in the world's history. The, reversion, takes many shapes, and we have seen instances of it during the war in various ways. It is surely readily recognizable, for example, in that spirit of sheer ruthlessness which inspired the perpetration of the inhuman outrages that have laid Belgium waste, and of the killing of harmless women and children by naval shells at the peaceful watering place of Scarborough. Another and more innocuous form of going back to the habits and methods typical of primitive man, island perhaps, traceable in the illustrations given above, they are some of the handiwork of the 20th century German military cadmen of continued opposite, The illustrated war news, December 30th, 1914 part 2129 continued, be aimed battlefield, while making use of the cover of the quarries and natural excavations of the district along the northern side of the river. In very much the same way, as modern exploration has brought to a light, the primeval cave-dwelling inhabitants of Europe in prehistoric times left rudimentary traces of their presence in certain places in the shape of carvings and roughly painted portraits of themselves, of the creatures they hunted for food and fought with, and of the implements they used, according to the German newspaper from which we reproduce the illustrations given here. They are the work of a German artist who has had to go to the front as a conscript and serve in the ranks of an infantry battalion. 30 The Illustrated War News. December 30, 1914. Part 21 webb committed his first open act of rebellion at Verd- on October 28. There, with a hastily raised commando at his heels, he forcibly seized the place and, after submitting the local officials to brutal treatment, in a wild, incendiary speech called on the Dutch of South Africa to arise in arms against the British government. It was at Windburg that DeWitt performed, as it is stated, the theatrical and in worthy outrage of trampling on and tearing the Union Jack. The identical flag which suffered the maltreatment is shown in our photograph, in the state in which it was after DeWitt's puerile act of defiance had been committed. Reparation and atonement are to come, as we shall learn when DeWitt faces his court-martial, probably at an early date. The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914 Part 2131 This tragic photograph, showing the fatal effects of a German shell among some French soldiers, brings home to the mind what death on the field of honor means. The Premier of France, M. Viviani, in his great speech at the opening of the chambers, paid an eloquent tribute to the French army. We have, he said, the certainty of success. We owe this certainty to our army. Whose heroism in numerous combats has been guided by their incomparable chiefs, from the victory on the Marne to the victory in Flanders. Let us do honor to all these heroes. Glory to those who have fallen before the victory, and to those also who through it will avenge them tomorrow. A nation which can arouse such enthusiasm can never perish. Photo by Afiery, 30 to the Illustrated War News, December 30th, 1914. Part 21 The entrenchment of the East Coast is not only a wise precaution, but the work of digging and fitting up the trenches is excellent practice for the troops who may later on be called upon to do similar work abroad. It will be seen from our photographs that the trenches on the East Coast are constructed on the latest pattern as developed in the war, with deep passageways, roof sections, traverses, and zigzags to avoid an enfilading fire from the flank. They are, indeed, to judge by the photograph. Remarkably similar to those constructed at the front in France and Flanders, even if occasion should not arise to use them against the enemy, the labor of making them has not by any means been in vain. Photo, by newspaper illustrations, the illustrated war news, December 30, 1914 part 2133 illustration, Christmas with the German army, according to a German paper, the arrival from home of gifts for the troops, full early. The popular German illustrated papers gave pictures of Christmas on the field of battle, and it was very evident that our enemies anticipated a joyous day or two, this, probably, thanks to the idea that at Christmas time all the armies might call something of a halt, although it was understood they were not in the least likely to do so officially. It was also anticipated that the conditions of the Christmas spent by the Germans at the front would, like those experienced by our own men and those of the allied armies, be ameliorated by the reception and distribution of gifts from home. For a considerable while, Germany's women folk, especially, collected gifts for fathers and brothers at the front, and it is certain that their efforts were much appreciated. 34 The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914, Part 21 Illustration, Underground, with gramophone, white table cover, and flowers, French soldiers in a home like bomb proof trench. Our photograph reproduces a snapshot, by a French artillery officer, in the trenches to the east of the Aisne, it shows how some of the French are making the best of things, regardless of weather and the enemy, they hollowed out the trench at one point describes the officer, and roofed it over with planks and earth, forming a bomb roof, a seat was cut at the sides and a table got from a village near, a roll of sheet iron found in the village was made a chimney for a fire with a coffee chimney corner beside it, with some wire. Also, a sort of candelabra was constructed, the flowers on the table are in a German shell for vase, and the gramophone was another village, find, it is evident that the war may develop a race of military troglodytes. The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914 Part 2135 Illustration, Headquarters Underground, the brain of the British Army working in a subterranean room, safe from shell fire. Our illustration shows how and why the motive power of the expeditionary force, the brain of the army, is often to be found below ground. Mr. John Docking, writing of this drawing, made by him from a sketch which he made at the front, says, Throughout the war, the enemy has displayed considerable skill in locating and shelling any buildings selected for occupation by our staff. Various methods of countering these tactics have been devised, on at least one occasion. Headquarters was established in a subterranean apartment, which was not merely bomb-proof, but a comfortable retreat from the weather. Here, by lamplight, plans were worked out, scraps of information pieced together with the aid of maps, without risk of interruption from the enemy, drawn by John Docking from his sketch made on the spot. 36 The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914, Part 21 Determined night onslaughts by infantry have been According to a letter from Petrogrant, a notable feature of the German tactics in the battles on the Vistula, particularly in the fighting that has been taking place between Loes and the river, by day, the Germans, we are told, were persistently aggressive, continuously launching attacks against various points of the Russian lines, while the Russians remained on the defensive, with the coming of darkness, however, regularly, night after night, the Germans redoubled their efforts everywhere taking advantage of the obscurity to fling forward dense swarms and columns of men in mass aid formation, to storm the entrenched Russian position, apparently at any cost, they failed every time, it would appear, beaten back after literally a massacre, the Russian tactics, it is interesting to recall, were the illustrated war news, December 30, 1914 part 2137 exactly the same as those with which, As our own officers and men have described in letters home, Sir John French's battalions in every case so effectively shattered the German efforts at breaking through the British during the retreat after Moans, the Russians, it is stated, invariably allowed the Germans to come into a well within point-blank range, remaining silent, holding their fire and not showing a light meanwhile, then, as the enemy got within point-blank range, Searchlights were suddenly switched on and a ceaseless fusillade of Maxim and rifle fire from the Russians literally mowed the Germans down by hundreds, breaking up their masses and paralyzing the attack. Our illustration shows one of the combats just at the critical moment, drawn by Frederick de Hainan. 38 The Illustrated War News. December 30, 1914. Part 21 illustration, ships the British Navy might have had. Freaks of marine architecture that had not been officially adopted. We illustrate here and on the page opposite some curious designs for warships by various inventors. Number 1 is McDougall's armored whaleback, with conning towers. A design of 1892 for converting whalebacks into war vessels. Number 2 is an American design of 1892. Commodore Folger's dynamite ram, cigar-shaped, with two guns throwing masses of dynamite or aerial torpedoes. Number 3 is a design by the Earl of Mayo in 1894 and called Ares the Ram built round an immense beam of steel terminating in a sharp point. Number 4 is Gathman's boat for a heavy gun forward, designed in 1900, she was to be of great speed, and the forward gun was to throw 600 pounds of gun cotton at the rate of 2,000 feet per second, a formidable armadous, had it been practicable, the Illustrated War News, December 30th. 1914 part 2139 the first illustration on this page is a design for a battleship made by the Kaiser in 1893 to replace the old price then out of date the vessel was to carry four large barbettes and a huge umbrella like fighting top illustration number two is an immersible ironclad designed by a French engineer named Le in 1862 in action the vessel was to be partly submerged so that only her three turrets and the top of the armored glotches would be visible. Number 3 is Admiral Elliot's, Ram. Of 1884, the ship was to carry a, crinoline, of stanchions along her waterline. Practically a fixed torpedo net. Number 4 is Thomas Cornish's invulnerable ironclad. Of 1885, she was to have two separate parallel hulls underwater, above she was of turtle-back shape. 40 The Illustrated War News. December 30th. 1914, Part 21 Our illustration shows a halt in one of the squares of Warsaw of one of the regiments of Siberian infantry, whose magnificent fighting qualities in all the battles of the war in the Eastern Theater of Operations in which they have taken part have gained for them. As the accounts of the different actions sent to a London from Petrograd testified, the outspoken admiration of the whole Russian army, particularly singled out for praise has been their audacious expertness in close-quarter combats. They supply both infantry and artillery, and are recruited all over Siberia, forming ordinarily two separate commands, the East Siberian and the West Siberian troops, which garrison the fortresses and districts between Vladivostok and the Ural Mountains, the dividing range between European and Asiatic Russia, The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914 Part 2141 One of the happiest features of the Great War, and one of its most favorable omens, Is the optimistic spirit in which our troops, officers and men alike, are making the best of things, in spite of the trying conditions in which they have to live and carry out their arduous work? They are as proof against physical discomfort or hardships, and as determined to be jolly as was Mark T. playing himself. Our illustration shows one of our soldiers riding home from the loft over a cow shed, his only shelter. Somewhere near the front, a shaft of sunlight relieves the gloom of his rough surroundings and no doubt is reflected in the messages he is sending to his friends at home. It is this wholesome spirit, in small matters and in great, which makes for success. Photo, by newspaper illus. 40 to the Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914, Part 21 It has fallen to the Serbians to furnish the most complete and overwhelming triumph yet achieved in the war the smashing victory over the Austrian army on the River Drina during the first 10 days of December. Our photographs were taken on and near the battlefield. Number one on the first page represents a preliminary incident. It shows an Austrian patrol captured while pressing forward with the rash assurance that characterized the Austrian headlong advance. Number two is a battlefield scene. On December 3rd, when the Serbians suddenly attacked the Austrians and broke up their positions at all points at the outset, making whole regiments scattered and isolated among ravines and valleys, in many instances, Surrender at discretion. One corps of disarmed Austrian prisoners is seen while being marched to the continued opposite. The Illustrated War News, December 30th, 1914, Part 2143 continued. Rear. Number three shows Serbian villagers placing wreaths on the graves of fallen countrymen. Photograph number four lets us realize something of the heroic part the women villagers took in helping to achieve the triumph. As the battle took shape, they came forward and cheered the men folk on. Calling out, Nutred, Braco, Nutred, forward, brothers, forward! Also helping as our photograph shows to push the cannon and ease the worn-out horses. Yet another instance of the work the Serbian women did is shown in our page photograph. Owing to the lack of Red Cross men attendants, the peasant women took on themselves to serve as stretcher bearers, bringing in the wounded as these fell in fight to the dressing tents in the villages and the churches, which were used as hospitals. Photos. By Topical, 44 The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914, Part 21 There was no Christmas truce at the front, the grim realities of the war overrode all considerations of sentiment, and the hope which was, for a while, common to both sides had to be left unfulfilled. nonetheless, the season was not without its little luxuries, and, thanks to the excellent work of the Army Service Corps and the thoughtfulness of sympathetic friends at home, there was no dearth of substantial necessaries and comforts, as well as tobacco and cigarettes galore. Our illustration shows a group of soldiers cooking their Christmas geese in the open, and as intent upon their task as though such conditions were quite orthodox and even such minor alarms as, spasmodic artillery duels, and local fusillades were things unheard of. Photo. My LNA. The Illustrated War News. December 30th. 1914 Part 2145 It is pleasant to think that, with all the dangers and anxieties of the war, our soldiers at the front paid tribute to the season of goodwill. It is a reassuring picture, this of the two men in khaki, rifle on shoulder, but swinging from the deadly barrels buried mistletoe, so rich in suggestion of the happiness of Christmases when the scourge of war was not upon the nations. Photographed by L. N. A. The conditions under which tens of thousands of soldiers spent their Christmas were memorably abnormal, but, nonetheless, the season was not passed without such observance of old customs, and such care for all available good cheer, as were possible. Our illustration shows a French soldier obviously enjoying his Christmas dinner despite the fact that he has to eat it by the wayside. Photo. By Affery. 46 The Illustrated War News. December 30, 1914. Part 21 is with our London soldiers at the front, the fortune of war has levied its toll on other Londoners. Our photograph depicts the unfortunate fate that has befallen a once well-known object in the streets of London One of the motor buses shipped across to France to serve in transporting British troops to the front, now in the hands of the enemy. Not many of them have had such bad luck, from all accounts, but accidents cannot be helped, and a victim has been claimed now and again. Mostly at places where some raiding Ulan patrol has managed to cut in and ambush one on some outlying road near the line of communications between the front and an army base, catching the bus while returning after discharging its soldier. fares, The Illustrated War News, December 30, 1914, Part 2147, illustration: Weapons of Gray Moles: Batiasinkau, a landmine and emergency hand grenades captured from the Germans. The Germans made use of land mines in the defense of Tsingtao, and a few days after the town's surrender, on November 7th, several exploded while they were being removed by the Japanese, causing much loss of life. It was stated that the explosions killed two officers and eight men, while one officer and 56 men were injured. The Germans also used hand grenades, as shown in our photograph. These appear to have been of the improvised, jammed-in type such as has been employed in the trenches in Flanders, eyewitness, wrote recently, mines have not played such an important part in the small work as might have been supposed. We have heard the enemy mining and we have tried it ourselves. But one strikes water in this country between seven and eight feet down. Photo. I.C.N. 48 The Illustrated War News. December 30, 1914. Part 21 Illustration in shelters suggesting a row of miniature railway arches. Germans in their rabbi warrens, in the Argonne. In the Argonne we beat back the enemy's attacks and preserved our front. That is a typical announcement one constantly sees in the Paris communiqués recording events in the district where the photograph given above was taken. Special interest being taken in the fighting in Flanders. One rather overlooks the give-and-take warfare being carried on further east, where siege trench fighting like that on the aim still goes on. There the Germans occupy deeply dug lines which are largely made up of underground galleries partly natural, partly artificial, in character. As our photograph shows, when the French artillery fire is severe, the Germans scuttle like rabbits into their burrows. Coming out to man the trenches in front immediately the French infantry begin to approach. Photo, I see in London, published weekly at the office. 172. Strand, in the parish of St. Clement Danes. In the County of London, by SC The Illustrated London News and Sketch, Limited SC, 172, Strand, aforesaid, and printed by SC The Illustrated London News and Sketch, Limited SC, Milford Lane, WCSC Wednesday, December 30, 1914, SC to ensure a regular supply of the following papers. The publisher would be glad if you would sign the order or orders below and send to your railway bookstall or local news agent. To Ross. To please supply me each week with a copy of the sketch. Please supply me each week with a copy of the Illustrated London News. To Ross. please supply me each week during the war with a copy of the Illustrated War News. To Masros.